Good morning. Welcome to worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our Holy Gospel today is from the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And so they brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. And so they went, they left him and went away. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me now as we begin our time of meditation together today with the Holy Spirit prayer. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. A good place for us to start today is to take a step back and to get a sense of what the reality of the situation was for the people of Jerusalem and that surrounding area during this time. I don't know what you want to call it. The area, the country, the province. I guess it was a province. At that time, it was being occupied and controlled by Rome. And so, because it was being controlled by Rome, it was considered a Roman province. And being a Roman province meant that the Jewish inhabitants who were living in this particular province, they found themselves under foreign occupation and domination. And this tax, this tax that is being referenced here today in our passage, it was the census tax. It was a required tax by all male and female adults who they had to pay who were of a particular age. And this annual tax, it was a constant reminder to those living in this occupied land that it was occupied by a foreign power. And we also know that because it was occupied by Rome, that it meant that people in the Roman Empire, there were known to be places where false gods were being worshipped. And this tax could only be paid by legal tender, and that legal tender was, in most cases, a coin that contained an image of a, foreign, a former or a current Caesar of the time. 
And normally it had on that coin, it had the inscription that that particular Caesar was divine. So paying taxes, especially for someone who was of the Jewish faith, it had both political and religious issues for them. Well, I mean, let's think about this for a second. If you grew up in the Jewish faith, who followed Mosaic law, and you practiced the belief that says that you are to have no other gods and that you shall not make of yourself an idol, whether in any form, and yet paying taxes with a foreign currency that had the image of a Caesar with the inscription that this Caesar was God, for a person of the Jewish faith, that was a very uncomfortable experience. And it was a constant reminder to them that they were living under occupation with an emperor who claimed to be God. I don't know if we can put ourselves into that place. We probably can't. But maybe just for a brief moment, think about that, what that must have been like. Now, the other thing that I find interesting is that this alliance between the Pharisees and the Herodians, it was an unlikely alliance in a certain sense because Pharisees were of the Jewish sect, and that meant that they practiced strict adherence to and observance of the Mosaic Law, okay? Pharisees were Jews. They were of the Jewish, Jewish sect. They were of the Jewish faith. And yet, we also have Herodians who were the supporters of Herod Antipas. And they were known to have collaborated with Rome. They were Roman collaborators. And that meant that their collaboration compromised their observance of the Mosaic Law. So I, I find it interesting that we've got these Pharisees now and these Herodians that, hey, let's, let's team up together here and let's, uh, you know, let's try and trick Jesus and get him to say something that he probably shouldn't say. But Jesus, he recognizes this alliance, and without hesitation, he says, why are you putting me to test, you hypocrites? Basically, he names them for what they really are. But nonetheless, Jesus plays along with their challenge, and he addresses them and says, show me the coin. Whose head is this on the coin? Whose title is this on the coin? One of my favorite biblical scholars, David Loos, who's a pastor at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, he makes an important observation here. And he writes, he says, I think it's important to note here that the word that Jesus uses here for image, or it's the word icon. It's a Greek word for icon, and it means likeness. And it's the same exact word that's used in the Greek translation of the Genesis creation story. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So he suggests that a better translation for verse 20 would be, whose likeness is this on the coin? And what title? Now, of course, we know the end. We know the end and how this interaction uh, comes to a conclusion. They answer that it's the likeness of Caesar. And so Jesus aptly replies to them and says, well, therefore, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. And it says that they were amazed and they left him and, they went, and that they went away. It seems very apparent and very clear to me that Jesus was trying to make a point. And he's reminding not only the Pharisees and the Herodians, of their historical religious 
history and the fundamentals of their faith, but it's also that we need to bring it back, we need to bring it into our current day context, which is what we do, what, what we preachers try to do, and what you and I try to do every day of our lives when we read into Scripture and we say, how does this, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for me today as a Christian in the 21st century? Well, I really do believe that Jesus is trying to make another point today, not only to the Pharisees and the Herodians, but also to us. And he's reminding us of the fundamental truth about our origination. So I think today is a good day for us to just take a few moments to pause. To pause and to take a look back at the origin story in Genesis, where we read in Genesis 1, verse 26 and following, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And so God created humankind in his likeness. In the image of God, God created them. Again, I'm going to quote David Lose. David Lose makes a point about this and he says, we, we bear God's likeness. And therefore, we are made to be more than we sometimes realize. When was the last time you looked at another human being and just said, I'm looking at somebody who has the likeness of God? Have you done that at all recently? Have you, have you consciously thought to yourself that these people out there that you encounter every single day of your life, including the people that are sitting in these, beers right now, these very pews right now, that when you look out upon yourselves, you are seeing people who are made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And David Lose is suggesting that because we bear God's likeness, that we are therefore made to be more than we sometimes realize. Now that's something worth thinking about for a minute. That we are made to be more than we sometimes realize. And he further says that we were made in the image and the likeness of God. And because we bear God's likeness, now this is the kicker, we are to act like God. Well, how have we been doing on that one so far? Have we? As, 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 as human beings, have we been doing okay on that one? Mmm, yeah, yes. I, I think in a certain sense, you know, this is something that convicts both you and I. Um, I don't necessarily think it's meant to make us feel guilty, but at the same token, when we look at the overall history of mankind and what we have done, I think there's lots of evidence that there hasn't been a whole lot of people out there acting very well as representatives of God. And if there's anything that this world needs more now than ever, it needs people who bear the likeness of God and to act like God. He continues in his thought and he says, we are called, that is, to serve as God's agents, as God's partners, as God's co-workers, exercising, and this is a very important thing, I think, that he says, exercising dominion over creation, not as an act of power, but rather as an act of stewardship and extending to all the abundant life that God wishes for all. You know, us preachers, we get up here weekend after weekend after weekend, and we're, we're called to continue to preach the word. Irregardless of what's happening out there in the world, 
We are the defiant voice. We are the defiant voice that says there is an alternative to what's happening out there in the world. And you and I, we are a part of that alternative to what's going on out there. That we are to be co-partners and co-workers with God, exercising dominion over creation, not as an act of power, but rather as an act of stewardship. Wow! I don't know, maybe I'm just being idealistic, but what kind of a world would we live in if everybody had this attitude? If everybody took this kind of approach to life and to what it really meant to be humans together in this world, rather to not act as out of power, but act out of active stewardship and extend to all the abundant life that God wishes for all. Today and every day is a call, and it's a reminder to us to return to our origin. And we can only do that. We have just today to do that. We've had plenty of yesterdays, but now we've got today. And we don't have any guarantees on tomorrow, but we do have today. And as I think about it, I can't... Yes, I I have to be concerned about tomorrow because I want to be concerned about things like, is this planet going to be around in, you know, 150 years from now for the next generations of people that are going to be coming after us? Some of them probably going to be my grandchildren. You know, I do have to think about tomorrow, but I've got, all I've got right now is today. And every day we need to approach it as an absolute gift. And we receive that gift, and we only take that gift, and we have this opportunity one day at a time to return to our Lord, and we can say with absolute confidence of faith that today is another day that I can affirm that I am made in your image, and that I am made in your likeness, and that I have this privilege today, I have today, I have the privilege to carry and to live that likeness of God for another day. And our identity and our image bears the likeness of God. And that identity has always been there and it always will be there. And Jesus is quite clear that we are to give to God the things that are God's. One of my other biblical scholars that I reference once in a while is Brian Stoffergan. He's actually a pastor who served in a parish down near Tucson, Arizona here. Uh, he, he poses the question, what are we to give to God? And he answers it by saying, the things stamped with God's image. And then he basically puts in quotations, us! What are we to give to God? The things stamped with God's image, us. We are to give to God ourselves. Our whole selves, not just some part of ourselves. And that can be overwhelming when you think about that. I mean, I got to do that today, and then I got to do it tomorrow, and I got to do it the next day. No, you get to do it today, one day at a time. And that's how I get through. That's how I get through this world of faith for me, is that I know that I've just got today. You know, and I, I was reminded of that this week. Former bishop of the Northwest Synod of Wisconsin, Bishop Robert Berg, passed away this week, 75 years old, 75 years old. You know, in today's standards, 75 years old isn't old anymore. And yet it was a wake-up call for me because I looked at that and I said, you know what, if that's true, then I've only, got, I've, only got, I've only got eight years to go. I've only got eight years to go. 
You know, what am I going to do in this world to be the likeness of God today? What am I going to do to be, but it's just today. I'm not going to think about too much about tomorrow, but I'm thinking about what I can be and do today. How can I give myself to God? As we journey with God each day, and we have this privilege to bear the likeness of God in our lives, and we have the privilege of giving ourselves, and as we journey with God today, might we hold in our hearts and hold in our minds the promise and the assurance that because of Jesus, we know the very grace and generosity that extends to all of us. And it is that same grace and that same generosity that Jesus extends to us that makes it possible for us then to surrender ourselves each and every day to that very grace, to that very generosity. And we surrender ourselves to God one day at a time to be God's agent, to be God's co-partners, to be God's co-workers. And as God's co-workers, we are called to be image bearers of a loving, forgiving, and gracious Christ. The same Christ who has been loving and gracious and forgiving to us. So that we can take that same love, that same grace, that same forgiveness that Christ extends to us. And we can then extend that to the people that we encounter and touch each day of our lives. One day at a time, folks. I'm going to close today with a covenant prayer that was written by John Wesley. He lived from 1703 to 1791. Now, when you listen to this poem today, it's going to be some old English. But even in spite of the old English, the words and the conviction of the prayer, they are as timely today as they were back in the day when this, these words were penned. And so I close today with this covenant prayer by John Wesley. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me be all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer our Father has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.